This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swan's Crossing! Mic check. Okay. Is that good? Was that good for you? Yeah. Did you like that? I did. Because I don't think I did. <laughs> um, but before we get started, I'm I'm doing a called shot on this one. The title of this episode is the one we've all been waiting for. It is the one we've. I mean, it's certainly the one you've been waiting for. Hell yes. Oh my god. You haven't had to wait. You've watched this show six times at this point. <laughs> wrong with you probably more than that honestly oh my gosh why libby i mean it's fun (laughs) really the question is why not who wouldn't watch swan's crossing more than six times i i don't think our listeners can see this but i am raising my hand (laughs) (laughs) welcome everyone to gotta grow up sometime a swan's crossing retrospective i'm libby grant i'm nathan kessler jeffrey we watched episode 47 47! It's the one we've been waiting it's for. It's the one we've been waiting for, everybody. I mean, it's definitely the one Nathan's been waiting for. Can we talk about what... Well, I don't know what I predicted, but I could not have predicted this. <laughs> you did not predict this. Mm-mm. Okay, here is no, what you no, predicted. No. Here we go. You thought there would be more in the soda shop. That was not correct. Well, it sort of was. Well, so we're going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody would come to get JT and Neil out of the minefield, either Glory or Nancy or the police or someone, but it wouldn't be a long scene. Did not get any of that. Nope. More of Billy Gunn trying to get with Sydney and Sydney trying to get rid of him. Yes, that was right on. Okay. Garrett would continue to pressure Sydney. That was correct. Mm-hmm. The Baldies would see JT and Neil emerge from the minefield, or at least there would be a little Baldy action. We did get a little Baldy action. A little Baldy action. Another right. great title for this episode. <laughs> Um, do you want to talk about the thumbnail? I do. Holy shit. Oh! There is a hospital set. <laughs> Nancy is standing over a hospital bed with flowers and a monitor behind her. I think it's Glory in the foreground with her back to the camera. I presumed from the thumbnail that they'd come to see Neil while he's recuperating. Given the dark gray curtains behind them, I, I assumed this would be a very small set that, to be shot in tight angles. I was wrong. Well, we're going to get into the hospital set because I have things to say Oh, man. We open on Mila in her palace of grounding. She's muttering about how... (laughs) (laughs) I knew you'd like that. She's muttering about how unfair her mother is for preventing her from gadding about with a child predator. She flops down on her bed and the elevator door opens to reveal Sydney and Nancy with a royalty-style trumpet fanfare in the soundtrack. Yes, I want to point out, the only time we ever hear this trumpet fanfare is when Nancy enters a set. This is Nancy's entrance theme. Are you kidding me? I wish I had music like this that played when I walked into a room. 
Mila seems a bit surprised that she's getting visitors so soon after being grounded, but Nancy and Sydney have a very serious demeanor. Mila thinks it's about Billy, but it's more serious than that. Yes, Nancy says, Contessa, there are more important things than you and your Billy Gun fantasies. Which oh <laughs> is a great line. Um, they immediately break the news to her that they're on the way to the hospital because Neil was hurt and he's in, in a coma! Neil in a coma, I know, I know, it's serious! <laughs> what would a soap opera be without someone in a coma? I mean, you knew it had to happen at some point, right? I, absolutely. I mean, I assumed someone would get a terminal illness. I think that's where I thought we were going, but coma, way better. Oh yeah, definitely gotta be in a coma. If it's yeah, a soap I mean, opera. the great thing about a coma is that you can get out of a coma whenever it is convenient for the writers. It's true. <laughs> We cut to the docks where Callie and Jimmy are wandering, wandering around, musing about the accident. Musing about things they both know. Yes. <laughs> which is my favorite form of exposition in Swan's Crossing, as is well documented. As you know, Bob, Neil is in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> Callie mentions the fact that Neil and JT were working in some place called a minefield, which, yeah, that's weird and worth remarking on. But it ended up just being one of Mr. Atwater's cosmetics labs. Is the lab called the minefield or, <laughs> right? Because there's, like, you could, you, there's, there are other reasons that you could call something a minefield beyond it being an actual minefield. Right. Right? Like when, when my dog, I haven't picked up after my dog in the backyard for a while, <laughs> can be referred to as a minefield. Right. So... <laughs> So that is a possibility, but the the funny I love I love that they are trying to fix something that the writers wrote them into three episodes ago. I know. <laughs> How do we write our way out of this one? Well, uh, it's just a mistake. Just a, who knows? Yeah. Uh, query: What does Mister Atwater's company use so much styrofoam for in the production of his cosmetics? That is a good question. <laughs> it's that a little a odd. Um, I assume it's packaging. Maybe. <laughs> So much packaging. Those those long those long cosmetics boxes that need a <laughs> tremendous amount of like eight foot styrofoam. Bar Barrick saunters on screen Ugh. with the swagger that only Barrick can muster. He subtly taunts Callie over the explosion site, asking her if she checked it out, and she did. And then he remarks, "Nothing much to see, is there?" And Callie, as usual, responds instantly suspicious. Is there <laughs> like? <laughs> I the one of my first notes on this scene is it seems that Callie has dropped all pretense of not suspecting Barrack anymore. Like that that whole methodology is gone in this episode. There's a lot of stuff from a few episodes ago that's just gone now. Jimmy mentions that JT dragged Neil out of the lab before it collapsed. Holy mm -hmm. shit, the whole building collapsed. And they're lucky nobody got killed. Barrick, cheery as always is, you don't know that, your friend is still in a coma. Right, my notes <laughs> Thanks, say... Thanks, My notes say... Way to be chill, Barrick. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this scene happening at the docks and not the tool and die where all three of these characters would naturally be? I don't know. It's so weird. Barrick mentions, we all know Neil couldn't do what he did with the sort of chemistry set you get for Christmas. So, if you had to make a guess, what do you suppose he was doing in there? The music grows low and ominous. Oh my god. Callie stares at Barrick suspiciously while he goes on unsubtly grilling Jimmy about Neil's science projects. And she tells Barrick, 
I think your guess would be a little better than ours. He gives her a smirk, and we cut to JT and the doctor. Oh my god, I love this scene. She doesn't know how long he's going to be in a coma. Weeks, months, could be years. Could be years. He asks for a minute before she shoes him out. And Libby, what happens then? I wish I could really definitively tell you what happens next, because it's very strange. JT takes what I think is Neil's pager. Yep. Holds it very close to his head. Uh Uh-huh. And then he starts reciting parts of the UB2B secret code formula litany thing, like spam in a can, etc. Yep. As my notes say, Neil remains intransigently comatose. Mm -hmm. And then we have a horrific, jarring cut to the middle of the theme song. (laughs) That's kind of like a theme in this run of episodes, like the last, like the 40s. (laughs) <laughs> we cut have, to the theme song at the most inappropriate possible moment. Have we talked about how this is like the very serious endings of some of the West Wing episodes that go <laughs> into the into the really bright and funny credits music? No! There are some episodes of West Wing where the theme music under the credits is horrifically out of place. Oh my god, it's so funny. That's what this reminds me of. When we come back from the credits, we see another section of the hospital, presumably some kind of waiting area, where Glory and Garrett are waiting for JT. Now, I have feelings about this set. Let's talk about this set. Okay. You can go first. There's some weirdly popish wall art Uh on a wall of exposed brick. Uh, that is actually obviously fabric. Obviously fabric wall. (laughs) Do you think so? Yes. That wall? It's very clearly printed. Okay, you're the set guy, so I'm yeah. going with you on this. Yeah. I thought maybe this was the actual, like, reception area of the studio where they filmed. Oh. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what this is. Okay. The fabric wall is covering the entrance to Swan's Soda Shop. The wall behind the ficus trees is the big glass wall. They have repurposed the Swan's Soda Shop set for the lobby of the hospital. Oh my god, I think you're right! And if you look behind the weird Dr. Seuss coat rack... Yeah, that's a weird coat rack. Those essentially are hinged flats... Like a, like one of those like dressing screens. Oh my god. And essentially where where people would be like where people go like come from Neil's room onto this yeah. space, that's like where you would go up the steps to the jukebox. Oh my god. Okay, yeah. see? It takes a theater director to to see this stuff. I I I was like literally here's what here are my notes. We come back to what is apparently the waiting room of the hospital. What is this set? OMG, it's a repurposed Swan's soda shop. There's the wall of glass bricks. Nice. Well done. Well done. Keen eye. JT uh, and Glory come out. Garrett is out there. He immediately starts laying into JT and blaming literally everything bad that has ever happened in Swan's Crossing on him. Yep, yep. Mr. Atwater arrives. It's Neil's dad! Yay! 
This dude has a phenomenal voice. Doesn't he have a great voice? His voice is amazing. He <laughs> actually does look a lot like Eddie Robinson, too. So at yeah. first I was like, did they get his actual dad to do this? It's not, though. I looked it up. Oh, okay. I, I was I was actually wondering, like, if this guy had been in the show at some point before, like, in a different role, because you know how they recycle actors. Yeah. Um, but I didn't... I, I was like, no, he just sounds really cool. I don't think he was, but yeah, he's got a great voice. Uh, he solemnly greets the kids, and thanks JT for saving his son's life then the doctor comes in and says she has already set up a consult consultation call with a fancy neurologist in switzerland in switzerland obviously whom mr atwater is apparently on a first name basis with yeah yeah how, how does he know this swiss neurologist well as you like cosmetics <laughs> and doctors work hand in hand of libby course. Uh, as JT listens, the doctor explains that the trauma is the concerning thing, uh, not the burns. Apparently, something shielded Neil from that, and he only has first-degree burns. And the shot of JT's <laughs> eyes going wide as the camera zooms in on him is fantastic. I know, it's so great. So, like, JT kind of knows now that the heat shield worked, at least partially. This whole time... Saja has been sitting cross-legged in one of the waiting room chairs meditating, and for no reason, the doctor goes over to him at this point uh, and asks if he's all right. Garrett assures her that this is normal, and we get the gong sound and cut to Mila's bedroom. Oh, hooray. Mila hangs up her phone. Her mother has just called. The Countess is at the hospital with Mrs. Atwater. And she tells Nancy and Sydney that her mother won't allow her out of her room even to go visit Neil. No. And apparently the new housekeeper is locking Mila in. <laughs> Bridget, damn you, Bridget! I checked on this. This is a, a fire code violation and also a big red flag for Child Protective Services. Well, I mean, I also think it's a fire code violation that there's only an elevator oh. that gets in and out of Mila's room. Well, there's also windows. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you recall, that seems to be the primary entrance for young men into the room. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Mila is mostly just pissed that she can't see Billy, and Nancy makes a s silly suggestion that perhaps Billy can stand in the garden and shout for Mila to let down her hair Rapunzel fashion. Yeah, there is a lot of mocking of Mila in this scene. Mila turns on Sydney, sort of uh, blaming her for the grounding, but Sydney counters that the plan worked and Mila didn't because Mila, quote, pulled a real Nancy. Right, which instantly pisses Nancy right off. <laughs> Then Sydney goes into the tale of how she hid the horse in Nancy's bedroom. I'm this so is glad. So good. I'm so glad we get the backstory on what was once a throwaway line, like ten episodes or something in the past. Yeah, oh, you want to? You want to? Oh yeah, yeah. Sydney says they hid the horse, whose name is Spice, in Nancy's room, and Nancy says my parents couldn't know I bought a new horse. To which Sydney replies, and they wouldn't have but you had to go and jump over your bed. I'm at a loss for words. Right? <laughs> Just trying to game out this scenario in my head. Why did they think they were ever going to be able to hide a horse permanently from anyone's parents? And if so, why would you do it in your bedroom? These are excellent questions. These are excellent questions. Where do you dispose of what the horse does in your bedroom? Yeah. It's a minefield, Libby. <laughs> 
Uh, despite the backstory being filled in a little, I still have so many questions about the horse hiding incident, but we will move on. Excellent. Uh, Sydney rightly points out that Mila blew the whole plan up by instantly answering to her own name when Jazz yelled for her. Nancy snidely suggests that a name tag for Desiree, whatever her name was. Desiree Passion. Desiree Passion might have helped. (laughs) So gross. Mila starts to worry about Billy moving on. Sydney encourages that idea. He's likely to move on to, quote, the next flavor of the week. And Nancy's... I have a feeling his next flavor is going to be a Rutledge float, is both hilarious and one of the worst things I've ever heard. Yes. There is so much cat in this room that I was looking for a litter box. It was... (laughs) It is a totally a three-way girl fight. It's great. Nancy tells Mila that as soon as she was out of the room, Billy Gunn set his sights on Sydney. Sydney answers to Nancy, just because he wouldn't look at you, no matter how hard you tried. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. The, after Sydney and Nancy go at it for a little bit, Mila's like, you know, I'd rather be locked up here alone. Yeah. <laughs> she kicks him out. It's great. We cut to the docks again. Barrick is sneering at Callie about her dad and how he's been gone a long time, which he hasn't. It's only been two days. And he suggests maybe Callie's dad is 30 yards offshore just hiding underwater. I mean, maybe he is. We've all seen how Captain Elia Walker Walker behaves. It's true. It's true. Callie's first question is, why? (laughs) Which I think is a legit question. (laughs) Why? It's fair. Seriously. (laughs) Callie accuses him of suspecting everyone has something to hide and wonders what he's hiding. To which we get a very smarmy... What you see is what you get. No I mean, surprises. Yeah, no surprises, because, like, Barrick's bad at hiding everything. He's the worst undercover dude I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Kelly points out, inappropriately perhaps, that there's something in Barrick's pocket. It is, to be fair, his shirt pocket. Yes. <laughs> he pulls out a plastic bag full of rocks. Warm rocks. Yes, he says he collects them. Callie takes the bag to examine them, and she's like, they're warm, what the fuck? Yeah. He calls himself an amateur geologist. Young James knows all about it. And Jimmy goes, I do? Yeah, like, (laughs) he rightfully looks very confused. Yep. I don't know what that's supposed to be about. We cut to a smoky forest scene. (laughs) Where Captain Baldy is putting hot rocks into a metal cash box with a handkerchief. As you do. (laughs) It's apparently not enough protection because he burns himself. And I'm like... Why are the rocks important? Is this the eutranium or the u- the unobtainium or whatever the hell it is? I guess. This is kind of uh, the same scene that plays out every time I try to make a pizza when I'm stoned, though. <laughs> Trying to get the pizza back out of the oven. Every single time, I'm like, why do I do this to myself? When we get back from commercial... <laughs> I don't... Having never been stoned, I don't really understand. But part of me goes... I mean, even if you, even if you thought about it in advance... Right? And we're like, I'm going to put this pizza in before I get stoned. It's still, you're still stoned by the time the pizza comes out. Usually, yeah. So this is not, not really helping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's always a conundrum. Yeah. When we get back, Sydney and Nancy have arrived at the hospital. Nancy has flowers and a terrifying Einstein teddy bear for Neil. Oh my gosh. I love that teddy bear. It's I love so it weird so looking. much. Uh, Sydney's asking Garrett about Neil while Saja continues to meditate. Uh, Garrett says everyone's in Neil's room, so Nancy takes off, but he holds Sydney back and asks <laughs> asks her about Mila. She brushes him off to follow Nancy, and now he's upset. 
Oh, yeah. She has angered the, the sociopath. Uh-oh, look out. Inside Neil's room, Owen is loading up a tape into his boombox while Sandy asks him why he's doing it since Neil won't hear it. Dude, he's in a coma. He can still hear, presumably. Yeah. Uh, Nancy comes in with the flowers, uh, followed closely by Sydney, who has brought chocolate-covered cherries, which JT says Neil loves. We've never heard about this before. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, this is one of those situations where the props people were like, ah, oh, we got these. And the writers, <laughs> and the writers were like... Yeah, he loves those. Good, use it. Fine. <laughs> Glory puts the Einstein bear at the foot of Neil's bed, so it'll be the first thing he sees when he wakes up. Put a pin in that, my friends. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> then Nancy starts reminiscing about how Neil once bought a huge box of chocolate-covered cherries for his mother's birthday, and then ate them all, and then just gave his mom the empty box. And they gather around Neil's bed to tell stories of his shenanigans. They do. Uh, one of which, one shenanigan of which was that uh, one time he ate a bunch of Play-Doh cookies that Katie made because he was working too hard to notice that he was eating gross, repulsive, weird-smelling dough instead of clay. Gross. I mean, instead of cookies. <laughs> instead That's of clay. This, I think, is the beginning of the really abrupt mood shift <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> it's these stories as they start to reminisce about Neil that, that lead to what I consider to be one of the weirdest things I've ever seen filmed. <laughs> so, uh, Garrett comes in with a bunch of balloons from Mila. Saja comes striding in after with a roll of pink saran wrap and announcing <laughs> that he's had a revelation that the light must be pink in here and there's a gong sound. <laughs> Sounds like some weird Instagram wellness influencer shit to me, but whatever, Saja. Uh, he apparently stole the gel from the nurse's office. <laughs> no, I love that. Owen turns on the tape, praise the gods of the 90s, it's talking sweet as honey. Mm -hmm. And just then... Callie and Jimmy come in with some huge jug of beverage and a bunch of little pastry boxes. It's a party in Neil's room, y'all. It is a party in Neil's room. It is a bright purple unmarked container of teen beverage. <laughs> I was like, that's teen beverage if I've ever seen one. Sure is. Everyone uh, starts diving into the food. It probably... Because it was one of the few times they had actual edible things on set. I kept expecting to see breakfast items from, <laughs> from the toast. booth house. While this party commotion is going on, Callie puts something in Neil's hand. You can't tell what the hell it is in this scene. We no will idea. find out later at a, at a later date. But right now, all you can really see is that it's an object and it goes into Neil's hand. Garrett literally grabs Sydney and drags her out of the room demanding a report on her efforts to make Mila his girlfriend. <laughs> Sydney says she doesn't have good news for him, and he rejoins, that's not good news for Sydney. Yeah. She relays the whole situation. Mila's pissed at Sydney because Biz Billy's after Sydney now, which she did at Bar Garrett's request. And we gotta go through the whole thing again, Ugh. where Garrett puts the pressure on Sydney to make this happen by using the forged birth certificate as leverage. Blah, blah. The, the birth certificate has certainly got more than enough mileage. <laughs> Holy shit. And we're not done with it yet, buddy. Oh my gosh. At that moment, Sandy appears. Sandy says the food's going fast and Sydney wants to know how anyone can eat like, at a time like this. Sandy says, you sound like my mother. That's exactly what she always says. And I was wondering, how often is your mother embroiled in situations where people are attempting to eat in the midst of tragedies? <laughs> Like, given the number of kids in the Swan household, I doubt there's a time when people aren't, like, any time at all that people aren't trying to eat. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I think so. Anyway, Garrett seizes that moment and drives home the point that Sydney and Mrs. Swan sure have a lot in common, and mm-hmm. we fade to commercial over Sydney's horrified face. When we come back, <laughs> Stan- Sandy is singing Talking Sweet as Honey with everyone jamming around Neil's bed. Everyone is smiling and like bouncing. And this feels profoundly inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) It is a little strange. Camera pans across all of them singing along to the song. Although Garrett clearly does not know the lyrics. No, this is, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen filmed. (laughs) The entire main cast of the show is in the shot. Except for Mila. Except for Mila. But yeah. I'm just, it's just... So strange. It is very, very strange. During a lyric break in the song, we see Mr. Atwater and the doctor talking about how Neil will go into surgery soon, but they agree to give him a few more minutes because teenagers singing to you is the best medicine known to mankind. (laughs) Like, I want to know what he needs surgery on that can wait until the teens are done singing. I know, right? right? It's very strange. And I love also that Sandy is singing along to her own voice in the recording. There are distinctly two voices. Cut to the Rutledge Mansion sometime later. Sydney comes home and Ralph finds her. She asks if there was any trouble driving Mr. Gunn to the airport, but he says he didn't have the pleasure of driving the young gentleman to the airport. And why is that, Nathan? Well, it's because Billy is sitting there in one of the Rutledge chairs drawing a mustache on the Mayor Rutledge for Mayor sign. <laughs> it's so good. So good. Uh, Billy says he stuck around so he could take Sydney for a ride in the Mercedes. Ew. Uh, but unfortunately, Ralph says uh, he's lost the keys. I've looked everywhere and I couldn't find them. And Ralph leaves and Billy pulls the keys from his pocket and goes, I could. Oh, oh. gross. He stole the keys. Sydney is I, like... I feel bad for our listeners having to like listen to us ugh every time Billy is on screen. <laughs> like, at this point, they get it. They get that he's gross. I know, I can't help it, though. Ugh, it's so nasty. <laughs> um, Sydney's not into the idea, but then Billy tells her, Are you another Mila oh, person? Gosh. I thought you were different, more mature. The type who will do anything. Great looker, great dresser, real contender. I knew we just said seconds ago we're not going to ug over this, but... (laughs) So gross. He essentially challenges her into living a little dangerously after confirming that there's not some other... Like, she's not owned by another dude. Oh my god, it's so grody. He holds up the car keys to the accompaniment of a shredding guitar. Always my favorite musical sting. Yeah. We cut over to Sandy and the gang leaving Neil's hospital room. Sandy feeling sad that Sydney left early because it felt like a real party, even though Neil couldn't appreciate it. (laughs) That's great. Mr. Atwater thanks them all for coming and shakes hands with all the kids. And then back back in Neil's room, the doctor is telling JT and Glory they have five minutes before Neil is prepped for surgery. Oh, man. They just keep putting off the surgery prep, Mm -hmm. don't they? Uh, Glory and JT sit down at the foot of Neil's bed. Glory says, here we are in our usual position, Neil between us. JT launches into a lovely emotional speech about how he hates and loves Neil at the same time and how he's never felt anything like this before. I wish, I wish he'd be his usual self and sit up and interrupt us. (laughs) 
Of course you do, JJ. Glory tells him she saved Neil's life, and he always protects her. He's the most courageous person she knows, and she loves him. She loves him! And JT says it back. And a full synth orchestra swells on the sexy sax theme. They lean in and kiss. They're smooching! It's the one we've all been waiting for! Nathan's been freaking out about this since the beginning. The very first episode. JT and Glory finally kiss! Oh my gosh! I'm gonna edit in a bunch of like air horns. <laughs> As they kiss at the foot of Neil's bed, Neil opens his eyes! Of course he does! Because nothing is stronger than the power of love and Neil's hatred for their love. (laughs) He hates the idea of JT and Glory kissing so much (laughs) that their kiss is powerful enough to bring him out of a coma! I love it! Anyway, freeze frame roll credits. Oh my gosh! (laughs) I I such a good episode. How how could I have predicted a hospital dance party? You couldn't tell. There's no way that anything in the show leading up to this point could have indicated, hey, this was gonna happen. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, who was our psychopath of the week? Oh, Billy, hundred yeah. percent, Billy, no question. Like Garrett's Garrett's giving him a run for his money. But Billy Nasty. Yeah, Billy gets it in this one for sure. Yeah. Did we have a swan count? Uh, two new fake swans, uh, which brings our count to four imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 117 other swans. Dang. And your predictions for next week. Glory and JT are going to be disgustingly cute. I don't, I don't even care what they do. It's just going to be adorable. Uh, I think uh, if if Neil actually was coming out of the coma, which I'm not fully like convinced that he was, if he was, there's going to be scenes in the hospital about you know what like he was working on and explaining to JT what he found out in his experiment or whatever with the UBTB stuff. Um, if he doesn't come out of the coma, then he's going to have to go into surgery and maybe he's out of the show for a couple of episodes. I don't know. Uh, both Callie and the Baldies are going to be fresh on the trail of the new mystery of the Hot Rocks. Uh, Sydney is going to have to boot Billy out of the car for coming on to her. I hope. Sydney tells Mila what happens. They reconcile, and Garrett ends up pissed with Sydney because this isn't getting him any closer to his goals. Um, I, I feel like Billy is in the show through the end of the week. Like, he leaves in the Friday episode. That's what I think. I'm starting to make multi-episode predictions. All right. Well, um, certainly it will be an exciting and thrilling episode, as it always is, because, man, look at all the crazy shit that happened in this one. Oh, my gosh. It's the one we've been waiting for, folks. It is the one we've been waiting for. Well, Thank uh, you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing. And I wrote it down this time. If you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swans Cross Pod, which I double checked. That is correct. Excellent. I'm so <laughs> glad. I'm so glad that 47 episodes into our podcast, we have got our social media on lockdown. Me too. Yeah, this is great. Uh, until we can see one another again, folks, may all of your smooches bring your friends out of comas. <laughs> Yeah.
another Mila person? I thought you were different, more, uh, mature. Yeah. The type who could handle anything. 